We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Owning a small business can be overwhelming. How can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. There's so many places to reach customers. Email, text messages, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, live events, the list goes on. How are you, as the business owner, expected to own all of those channels? That's where Constant Contact comes in to help. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. I use this to grow my email list, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. fans how you doing probably better than me right now <laughs> it's your boy jonathan macri with you for another episode of the next film school podcast coming at you from my new recording studio shout out to anybody listen this is how we get above ten thousand youtube subscribers yes this <laughs> this is how if you're just listening on the pod i am currently recording from my daughter's bedroom, my older daughter's bedroom, uh, a.k.a. the quarantine zone. So for anybody who didn't check uh, the newsletter over the weekend, uh, my entire family has COVID. Good times. Great weekend to get it, right? Also, mm, yeah. all, ki- all kinds of plans. No, all, all, down, the, all down the shitter. So I've been, um, for the most part, spending my time in my my older daughter's bedroom. So if you, are, if you get, watch this on the YouTube, you get to see to my, over my right shoulder... The Barbie Dream House, and I think a little bit of uh, oh my god, what's that? Uh, what's the movie that came out? Like the tale of the uh, giant blue dragon that um, Raya, uh, Raya, Raya, Raya the, yeah. Although the dragon is called Sisu, I believe. And uh, to over my left shoulder, uh, some some macaroni art that my daughter made. So that's what we're doing here now as we record uh, this first post. Well, it's not the first post-free agency podcast because we did the Mitch emergency pod, but this is the first kind of normal pod that we've done after all the dust has settled. Although there may be some more dust to kick up before it's all said and done. Uh, before we get to that, I'll ask you, how are you doing, Andrew Claudio? Uh, significantly better, it sounds, John. Um, I had plans this weekend that weren't interrupted, and I I, I feel bad for your situation. Well, I got to say, as a producer here... Um, I think I want that Barbie dream house in the background of all videos going forward. So make it happen. Uh, I, I need to, to see it every time that we come on screen. Uh, I'll see if I can make that happen. Maybe that'll be the new KFS background. That's the adjustment. There you go. You, you got rid of the, the studio, the, the door with the Julius poster that with the plate. <laughs> and now we've gone to Barbie's dream house. Everybody's okay. Though, like as far as, Every, like, yeah, no, everybody, everybody, everybody's good. My it's fun. I actually, uh, not to get too far into this, but yeah, I, the first thing I did this morning was I tested my, my older daughter because she's been feeling fine for several days and we're past the initial five day 
mm-hmm. window where it's like after five days, I guess you're allowed to like go out and about with a mask on and go outside. And we, we may take a drive later or something. I'll, I'll risk my life. Um, <laughs> but she's feeling fine. My, my wife's a little tired. And then the baby is just, you know, being a baby. But um, it's the ba- been the baby's being a baby. The baby's being a baby. Gotcha. Um, but it's it hasn't been the worst thing in the world, I got to say, because I um, got to spend a lot of time this week weekend alone in my thoughts, as it were, about everything the Knicks did and everything the Knicks may still do and everything the Knicks uh arguably could do, but half the fan base seems them not to want to do. And the other half is like, you go, the rest of you guys are idiots. Do it, do it, do it now. That's my best Arnold impersonation. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I've been thinking a lot about this stuff and it feels like there's, this is a good, so by the way, Jeremy is, is enjoying his 4th of July uh, vacation, which is why Andrew's here, but it's good because I haven't got a chance to really talk to you about this and I haven't got a chance to talk to anybody about you know, what's been going on and the rumors and this and that. So uh, I'm looking forward to this one. Good. I think the, the dust settling is interesting because the, I think Knicks fans thought there'd be more than just, you know, Jalen Brunson slash Hartenstein slash uh, Mitch resigning, you know? And I don't know if like Jeremy and his big brain projecting, <laughs> A Bradley Beal plan, plan or uh, uh, potentially getting into the DeAndre Ayton sweepstakes. And I think what ended up happening was largely telecasted for a while that they were going to make a big play for Jalen Brunson to finally get a lead guard in here. They went after a, we, we heard the Mobamba rumors. We heard other stretch five options. And then they end up with, with Hartenstein who, I mean, you, your newsletter today, uh, um, talked about the different look that he gives the Knicks as a backup center and potentially on nights when Mitch doesn't have it, which you hope don't happen as often yes. when you're paying him $15 million a year or however the contract details play out. Um, but like he gives them an element that they were trying to make happen when Noel was taking a couple threes last year or Taj was taking multiple threes last year. Um, but his passing... Ability also helps when you have cutters like Obi and RJ and Brunson, opportunistic cutters, as I'm quoting Jonathan Macri. Um, smart, smart and opportunistic cutters. And, yeah. and again, one of the benefits to having your 4th of July weekend um, shafted by COVID is while other people were outside enjoying hot dogs and, and hamburgers and at night watching fireworks, I was sitting there watching a film of Isaiah Hardenstein assists. <laughs> Let me tell you, uh-huh. cheap assists. He is not in the business of getting this dude earn earns his dimes. I, I just, I, I feel badly because I, I feel like he got the shaft um, on free agency day because we were still very focused on Brunson and we were still very focused on what might happen, what might be coming down the pike. This dude's really good. Do you know over is only 10 game sample size, but he had, he had an eight assist game. Uh, I'm spoiling a, a newsletter for either later this week or next week by saying this, but it's fine. Uh, he had an eight assist game with, uh, it was the 10 to last game of the season against the Jazz. It was a blood. The Clippers got killed. So they just let him run the offense in the fourth quarter. He had seven assists in 10 minutes in the fourth quarter. From that point forward, he had more assists for 36 minutes than any center in the league, including Nikola Jokic. Uh, yeah, Nick fans are going to like him. He's really good. He's not really bad at anything. The only thing he doesn't do is like create shots, but like there's a lot of centers that don't do that. Do uh, you foresee this becoming a... Yes. I already know. Ask, ask the question. I know. The <laughs> do you do you foresee this becoming at a certain point this year because of how Hartenstein is performing? The campaign or the uh, outcries for Hartenstein to start might start to show up, or if not start, be be the primary. In the same way, like Derrick Rose was really the starting point guard two years ago, but yeah. Alfred Fre- Alfred Payton started games. There, I think there will be a little bit of that. I think. Uh, we hope that Mitch will play well. And as long as Mitch plays well, here's the thing. I think there are great arguments. It's funny how this is what we're talking about. Meanwhile, like the Donovan Mitchell giant cloud is hanging out. We're going to get to it. I mm-hmm. promise. Um, I think there are arguments for Hart- Hardenstein's skill set. And then those of Brunson and, and RJ. Uh, and then there are arguments for 
Mitch. Like Mitch is better at one thing than anybody else in basketball. It's offensive rebounding. And RJ is better than at one thing than everybody else in basketball. And that's missing shots at the rim. I I say that a little facetiously, but sadly it's true. Um, So that's, you know, that's a nice combination, Mm. Um, you know, and, but at the same, my prediction, there will be calls for it. And those calls will unsurprisingly go unanswered because I think Tibbs is going to look at this backup unit that he has much as he did last year and say, that's when I'm going to win the game. And I think it's going to be another year of let's just try to keep it even with the starters and, uh, and let's go try to win it with the backups and we'll see now with Brunson there if it works, but a a formula that worked two years ago, 41 and 31 worked pretty well. Yeah. Like I think Julius was, unreal two years ago. So like you give him the accolades, but the Knicks won in those second quarter runs with Derek Rose and OB and, and quickly and Burks and, and either Taj or Noel. And then, you know, in the, those comebacks that would happen in the late or late third, early fourth, um, two years ago, the issue was that Derek Rose too many miles were on his tires. And so that capability to come back didn't happen you know, this past year, you know? So the other interesting little development, and I think Ian was the first, I mean, people have been spitballing. This is a possibility since last season. I got, God knows we did on a lot of post games, but Ian put it out there uh, with, there are some within the organization who think, you know, uh, Mm. needs a better defensive backcourt partner. And then um, uh, Steve Popper had a note on it in his uh, column the other day. We touched on it during the live stream with, yes. with Benji and with, with honestly all five of us were like, this team probably would be more balanced if they go to a, a Grimes starting two, which and, like the, the Mavs sign and trade for Fournier is still out there. I doubt it's going to happen, but I, so here, here's the nice thing uh, at this point is like, I know everybody's waiting for that next shoe to drop. Let's we're, well, I'm going to save the Julius conversation for, Give me, give me a Mm -hmm. minute. That's its own conversation. Just focusing in on Fournier. If he's here, I I actually buy the little snippets that we're hearing and that Grimes could be a starter. Because if you go with the theory that I just posited a minute ago, Grimes in the starting lineup as a much better defender than Fournier. And I can't wait to see the steps that he takes defensively next season. As your there's your him and RJ are your two primo wing defenders. And then Mitch is the backstop. Well, that's you don't really have to score a ton of points theoretically to stay even with your opponent if those are your foundational piece. And you know, Brunson can hold his own a little bit on defense, and then you have Julius, we'll see. Um, but and then Fournier all of a sudden steps into the Burks backup role. So then let, imagine if you had a backup mm-hmm. unit of Rose quickly, Fournier, Obi, and Hardenstein. I mean, that's that, we, I mean, I feel like we said this last year, it'll go doubly. So that's the best backup five in the league. And I don't, I don't know if it's close. I look at Fournier going to the, taking the Burke stroll and going to that backup, uh, backup three, basically. Yeah. Um, that's what he should be. A, well, so the Hawks two years ago, my Hawks from two years ago, um, <laughs> your beloved, your beloved, Hawks. my beloved Hawks in six. Yes. Um, the way that they would kill teams is not necessarily, they didn't have the bench unit that the Knicks had two years ago, but what they had was Gallo coming off the bench and Kevin Herter off the bench. And these prototypical, like starting twos or threes, or in Gallo's case, stretch fours that, you know, you, you take them, you put them in the game and they add like a stretch element to them. Now, now Fournier doesn't, I don't think has the creativity of an Alec Burks, but like there are moments when given the chance to, um, that he could do that. Also like this, this is what he did in Orlando. This is what he did in the brief stretch with the Celtics. He I was, was their say, backup. Boston. Um, this, he was their backup. Um, oh, I guess he started in Orlando, but regardless, yes. the way, I, the ways I remembered Fournier in Boston, in Orlando were like, Oh, Evan Fournier is just being instant offense. They need him to go get a bucket. And I think that the good teams out there don't necessarily worry about contract dictating playing time. They worry about fit dictating playing time. Um, look no further than Duncan Robinson. And, <laughs> yeah. um, 
I think if the Knicks, you know, want to value the, the grime stuff, the grime starting two stuff, I think is, is fascinating. And if they were to make Fournier doesn't like ruffle any feathers with like, I'm, I'm the second highest paid player on the team. Why am I, or third highest paid player on the team? Why am I coming off the bench? He just notices that there's a better fit for him in a backup role. So you mentioned the sign and trade possibility before. I actually don't, I don't think we're going to see Fournier in a sign and trade um, for a few reasons. One, um, the math, I'm not going all Jeremy nerdy on you guys here, but the the simplification is that the Mavs are hard capped, right? The Mavs are hard capped and they would, or they're no, well, no, they're I, I actually it doesn't. They're a tax team. That's what's more important here, mm-hmm. and um, their hard cap actually doesn't come into play here. It's because they're a tax team. It has to do with how far apart the salaries could be uh, in a trade on the outgoing on their end, and they would need to include Frank Nilakina in the trade. And you know, I think they no, I think they like Frank. You know, I, and, uh, I'm just the the, the idea. The that no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I also the, like that's the side of trade. You know. You know, the Mavs really want Fournier. Now, I think the more interesting name, and you heard Mark Stein report over the weekend, is they're still looking for a wing, uh, is Cam Reddish. And you'll notice in the in the five man or in the ten man unit that I just went through, uh, there's no room for Cam Reddish. And mm-hmm. unless one of those players gets dealt, there is not going to be any room for Cam Reddish. So I think if you're looking at this like a Nick fan or as a Nick fan right now. Even if you think Julius is going to get traded between now and opening night, and we're all waiting on the Durant domino to fall, and I think after the Durant domino falls, if there's a Julius trade, it'll shake out then. We'll see who doesn't get what they want, who's desperate, who's trying to make a play going into the season, this, that, the other thing. We could talk about that in a bit. But even if he gets traded, and we've talked about a little a little of this before, does anybody really think Cam Reddish is going to be your your, your backup Four? Uh, well, I don't. You said anybody. You said anybody. Okay. Um, do, do, do we think anybody do we, currently employed <laughs> no. as a New York Nick, either head coach or even assistant coach? And Look, it's not- man, there's a movement that thinks Nick, that Cam Reddish is not only the, should be the backup four, should know, be the starting four, should be the starting three, should be the starting Eastern Conference representative uh, for the Knicks in the All-Star game, should be the starting, you know, opening day starter for the Mets. That's how highly they think of <laughs> hey, Cam but Reddish. Here, here's the thing. Uh, and again, never doubt Ian Bagley's reporting. I'm fairly certain this was from Ian, where he reported like, look, there are people within the Knicks who want to see what Cam could do. They think they still believe in Cam's upside. I'm sure there are. And for that reason, I I, don't, I think they're in a really, and this is why I wrote what I wrote a few weeks ago before free agency, on the eve of free agency, in fact. I think they, they put themselves in a really tight spot with Cam because they made this kind of theoretical upside play with this kid who clearly has all this talent. And he clearly also does not jive with what, what they're, what they're trying to do right now, which is putting the best players on the floor to try to win games right now. And as of, as of right now, if you compare them to everybody else on the roster, even after Burks is gone, you know, it, it's, um, I'm forgetting who else did they get rid of? It was Burks, Noel, Noel and Kemba. Kemba. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you're talking about making one more move and it would probably have to be Derek Rose. And I'm sorry, Derek Rose is not going anywhere. Um, so I would not be surprised if they're, was a signing trade with Dallas. I would not be surprised if it was Cam because that kills a few, a few birds with the same stone. You're if you're, cause if you're Dallas, if you're making a sign and trade, or let me rephrase that. If you're the Knicks and you're doing a sign and trade with Dallas and you're doing them that favor, cause you're helping them out by doing any kind of a sign and trade, whether it's for a player trade exception or both. Um, you're not helping them for free. So then that puts the ball back in Dallas's court. And you're, you're at Dallas, you say, these guys tampered and fucked us over and got this kid that we wanted by all kinds of shasty means. And now they want to hold our feet over the fire in a signing trade. Well, screw them. And then they may calm down and say, well, at the very least, we're going to make sure we're getting exactly what we want and then some if, we're, mm-hmm. if we have to give up a real thing to get it. And then it, the ball goes back to the next court and you can say, all right, well, we clear Cam 
and we get a real thing. Now, what is the real thing? I, I'm not going to sit here and go through all the different possibilities of picks and do they lessen the protections on next year's pick, whatever. The Knicks will get a thing that they want. And then, and like on paper, it's a very, very good trade for the Mavs and probably not a great trade for the Knicks, but really secretly, the Knicks are like, boy, let's be thankful we got something for Cam before it got ugly. And he's on our roster and he's not getting off the bench on opening night. That's my, that is why I still think the sign and trade is a possibility. And if it's, if it doesn't happen, I would bet on some other move being made where Cam gets shipped out for either whether it's a future pick or as part of a deal with Randall, um, which I don't know if you want to talk about that now. I guess we can move on to that before we get to Mitchell. Well, so the, the Randall thing might actually transition into. Mitchell, um, because there may be a team out there that um, we could we could wait on the the Randall thing. The only thing I'll say about Cam is at this point to maximize that potential that people see in him, the talent that he clearly has. I wonder if it's a team like that 2019 Knicks team that winning just doesn't. It isn't the point of the season. You're not to say that if you win games with him, it's a bad thing, but like you, he needs to go to a team that is solely focused on development, not not even necessarily OKC. Cause I actually think they're going to try to take a step toward winning this year. I hope <laughs> question mark. I, listen, I, at a certain point, they just had to point, cut Isaiah. Didn't they just cut Isaiah? Was it Isaiah Roby? They cut. I you would know that better than I would. They just caught a guy who I'm pretty sure is a robot. Who's like a good player, and that's they're already loaded with players that, that need time. I guess my point was like Lou Dort extension. Uh, Shade is still there. Chet Holmgren draft. Uh, the three, the two first that they got in the first round. Although trading for the Knicks pick at eleven. Like my my thought is like they're okay winning thirty games this year rather than like making sure they win less than 25. Um, all that being said, um, I don't, I'm with you. I don't agree that or see that there is a rotation spot for Cam Reddish, which I mean, is that, I, I guess my question to you would be, should there be a rotation spot for Reddish or is that like above our pay grade? See, I think this gets directly at the heart of why so many your people, so many people out there, mostly national media people, not everybody. Few few people have have defended what the Knicks have done because it's like, hey, they got a good basketball player. That's what you're supposed to do as a basketball team, um, and at a position of need and, and the whole thing. Uh, but the criticism has been like, what are you doing if you're the Knicks? Like, you're not good enough to compete for anything legitimate. You should be just playing as many kids as possible. If that means losing a ton of games, lose a ton of games. Um, I think it's a valid critique. I think it's absolutely a valid critique. I think the fact that they are going to, in all likelihood, hold on to Derrick Rose um, and have him play real minutes because they believe in his leadership ability. And to say nothing of the fact that he's, I mean, my God, Derrick Rose might still be the best player on the team when he's on the court and healthy. Like, mm-hmm. so. And why are they doing that? They're doing that because they do not believe in uh, instilling a culture of losing. They do not believe in just handing out minutes. They do not believe in any of that stuff. Tom Thibodeau doesn't believe in any of that stuff. There are people in the front office that don't believe in any of that stuff. And they still believe. And then this is the transition to Donovan Mitchell, that if they play respectably and they look like a place like this is a winning organization. Um, imagine if I went there and I was the final piece that it, it, it is going to be appealing to a star. Now, is Donovan Mitchell that star? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Can I, before you go into this, so I wrote down three questions that I thought would be appropriate to... From my perspective, which you on the Mitchell thing, yeah, well, no, just in in general for this pod, like I have to, as much as we wanted to shoot the shit here, I wanted to have like some type of uniformed plan, and that's for why this. I love you. So, like, you kind of addressed it in the newsletter, which I'll tell people to go read today about Mitch and Jeremy. Also, I'm I'm more curious on both of your thoughts because you guys will understand what value actually is. And it was more about whether Mitch is overpaid or not. I have a Randall question that we could save for our, like the final quote unquote segment. So as far as the Mitchell, the Donovan Mitchell question I have is would, would the Knicks be panicking into a superstar trade in what right now seems like you have to very much overpay after seeing what DeJounte Murray got after seeing holy shit what Rudy Gobert cost like would it be an overpay to do what it would probably take to get Donovan Mitchell right now right now yes that that, because that's the thing if if the if Danny Ainge is looking at this is like I'm gonna blow it up now and rebuild the jazz you know it would be an overpay and it would be desperation because it's because of the overpay. So let me, I've been thinking this again, I've had a lot of time to sit in my own thoughts, Andrew. Here's, here's what I've come up with. And I wrote, again, I wrote about this and I won't rehash everything I wrote, but in short, my based on what those trades were, especially for Gobert, because obviously Ainge just traded Gobert. Like that trade set the market, whether, whether Minnesota wanted to set the market or not, they set the market and that makes a Durant trade more difficult and it makes a Donovan Mitchell trade more difficult. And it's, it's okay. You know, we could sit here and say it's Minnesota. They've been past this first round once in 33 years. They like, if not now, then when um, they have this idea of zigging when everybody else is zagging or whatever, vice versa. Like you can talk yourself into why they justified it to themselves it still does no favors for anybody else in trying to make a big deal, which means Danny Ainge, as of right now, as of today, this is why you, you ask me right now, right now, Danny Ainge is not going to accept less than the Gobert package for Donovan Mitchell. In fact, he's going to demand more because Donovan Mitchell is ostensibly a better, more impactful basketball player. The Knicks know that. 
And that is why they're not going to trade, I don't believe, for Donovan Mitchell right now. And I think they're going to wait this out. And I think if they're going to wait this out, it becomes a very interesting situation because Donovan Mitchell, is, as you everybody knows, has three years left on his contract and he has a player option that he could just opt out of. So he, he can really start to put the screws on a team in a year or so if he wants to. And I believe that's going to, that is when it's going to happen because people keep talking about the all-star game being Utah, right? And that's a reason why they don't want to trade Donovan Mitchell. Danny Ainge will trade Donovan Mitchell tomorrow if he gets the package that he wants. Mm-hmm. What I think the other ramification of the all-star gaming in Utah is, is Donovan Mitchell, I think, does not want to be um, public enemy number one in Utah for that all-star game by coming out. And like, I'm sure he wants to be traded today. Of course he wants to be traded today. We all know he doesn't want to play in Utah anymore. But is he going to make it ugly? I don't believe he is going to make it ugly. I don't believe Danny Ainge thinks he's going to make it ugly. And I think Danny Ainge is using the fact Donovan Mitchell is not going to make it ugly to continue to demand a haul and a half for Mitchell, which is why I don't think it makes sense for the next trade for him right now, because if they give up that package for Mitchell, and this gets back to what I wrote over the weekend, they're not going to have anything left to trade for the guy you put next to Mitchell. And with all due respect to RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin. And if you want to throw Julius Randall in there, that is not, that is not a contending team. It's just not a contending team. Um, not a contending team for a, a title. That's for sure. Um, I mean, is there, a, is there a possibility that things break just right? And that team maybe gets home court one year. I mean, sure. The the home, there's, yeah. Like there's, yeah, there's four seed potential. Um, I mean, look, under Tibbs, who the hell knows? Maybe he gets Donovan Mitchell to defend. There's a there's a there's a novel thought. Maybe Julius Randle, the Julius Randle of, of two years or a year and a half ago comes back. I know you don't want to hear this, but I think a Donovan Mitchell trade also signals the the march toward Johnny Bryant sooner rather than later. Fine. Also, so the under Tibbs thing doesn't play as much of a part to me. I think the, the thing that's fascinating to me is that and this was, and Jeremy, when you're here on Sunday, correct me if I'm wrong. The idea of Jalen Brunson coming here, and I've, I doubt Leon would ever trade his godson, but was that he can now be the piece going out in a Donovan Mitchell trade. So all of these kids that the fan base clutches their pearls at when we suggest them being in any type of deal don't have to go out in a trade for Donovan Mitchell because Jalen Brunson is the star or the other controllable young piece going back to Utah in a type of deal. Um, I'll give you a hot take. What's up? Mm, this is this be, be pretty hot. I'm sure, oh. sure I want to go that hot. The take was this. I'm not sure if I believe it though. Uh, okay. I think, I think J- Jalen Brunson is the player now on the Knicks least likely to be traded. Of anybody else on the, well, of anybody on the roster. And the, and the only reason I stop myself is I do believe they, see RJ Barrett, not as just like, we're going to put forth that he's the face of the franchise, but really secretly we think differently. I think they really do see RJ as the face of the franchise. But if you think they're trading Mitchell, Mm -hmm. what is this front office all about? Relationships. You mean mean Brunson? You think if they're trading Brunson? You said you think if they're trading Mitchell? uh, Yes. Sorry. That's what I meant. Yeah. Um, Freudian slip. Mm -hmm. Uh, they're all about relationships. That's what they're all about. And you think the most important relationship that they have with a player in all of basketball, they're going to shit on just so they can ship them off to Utah to get, no, that's, it's just not, it's not going to happen. Which is why, um, I don't know. I'm, if I, I'm increasingly. So, okay. You might know this better than I would because you might have studied this more, but did we all know Donovan Mitchell grew up a fan of the baseball team. I grew up a fan of, but did he grow up a Knicks fan? Uh, that's a great question. Cause like, is this a Kyrie I should know thing this. where he's fine going to Brooklyn? Cause there's the Kevin Durant looming thing and the, the, the Brian Windhorse. Now, what does that mean? You know, of potentially, I, potentially Mitchell ending up in some type of three or four team trade in Brooklyn as the return piece for Kevin Durant going somewhere and eventually picks ending up in Utah. 
my two cents is I think he'd be totally fine with going to Brooklyn and all of the whispers and like, you know, people, people whispered me, people whispered mm-hmm. to other people who then, you know, whispered to me. It's like my, if, yeah, if I, if I'm just being honest, I think he wants to go to Miami. Mm. I got his preference. Okay. Just like, just like 98% of NBA players. Miami's nice year round. Yeah. <laughs> Except yeah. Aaron Brunson. Yeah. yeah Gordon they, Hayward. Which, which again, which is, Part of why they wanted him. He wanted to be here. And I don't, Godson or no Godson, son, forget Godson, son or no son. Mm-hmm. I think he, I think he wanted to be here because he wants to be here because he, he, we know Jalen Brunson grew up a Knicks fan. That is um, true. Yeah. That is, that is a fact. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think, I think Donovan Mitchell, I think, wants to be in a place where he can grow his brand. And I think he could grow his brand just fine in Brooklyn. Um, so I don't think that would that would stop him, which is why I think that is your work. If you if you're a Nick fan and watch Donovan Mitchell here, or maybe you're not in love with Donovan Mitchell, but you just you know they need to get a star, and you think this is the best chance they have to trade for a star, you should be rooting for Kevin Durant to get traded to Miami, um, mm. or I suppose Toronto. Basically, you should be rooting for Kevin Durant to get traded to any anywhere other than Phoenix. Because to me, if he gets straight to Phoenix, then and we don't have to go into this because people already know that's the blueprint for how you get Donovan Mitchell to Brooklyn. Because okay. Phoenix Phoenix sends whatever they send to Utah, and then Donovan Mitchell gets sent to Brooklyn. It's yeah. There's going to be multiple teams involved in this this eventual Kevin Durant trade. Um, yeah, I I think collectively we've all said next summer. Is the Donovan Mitchell trade summer if he's still there and available? And I think that's um, better for the Knicks. And that, it is better, and, yeah, because it gives their assets a better chance to appreciate. Their, I mean, look, one of two things is going to happen this year: they're going to win a lot more games than people expect, and they're going to be a more desirable place that way. Where actually, who knows? Maybe you could talk yourself into, well, maybe they are one star away because if they're a better team than people expect, guess what? That means whether it's Julius Randle had a really good year, the kids had a really good year, RJ Barrett took a step up, something really, a lot of really good stuff happened for them to have a good year or they don't have a good year. And guess what happens if they don't have a really good year? They have another pretty high draft pick. And if Jeremy is to be believed, we'll we'll see (laughs) if he is. That's the trade that they're targeting to try to move up in the draft. And if they can move up in the draft, that means they can help another team move up potentially to the top of the draft. And there's your, there is your trade asset. There is your thing you put into the trade so that maybe you don't need to mortgage everything to go get the the first star and you still have stuff left to get the second guy. So I think the the re-ranking of the East or where we see the East ending up is better for Patreon later. Um, sign up if you'd like to hear us talk about the general NBA at large. Um, you mentioned, uh, we've mentioned Julius a couple times today. And I think the best place to wrap is the last question on my list. A lot of us have speculated or really wished that... Um, the a priority of this offseason was trading Julius Randle. I'm not calling it dead yet, that dream, but I'll call it dead. So the fact that Julius is still here right now on July 5th, do you consider this offseason a success that they kind of executed plan A? Or is it a failure because plan A didn't involve trading Julius Randle? The, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm collecting my thoughts. Collect, the, collect away. I don't even. I was going. Part of me was going to be like the failure was in giving me giving him the extension to begin with. But in listen, the moment, we were all fine with it. We were more than fine with it. I think I wrote at the time that it was the most significant Knicks happening, like in like this century, the mm-hmm. fact that in an, a guy who got MVP votes decided to sign for, uh, I don't know how 50 or $60 million, $70 million less than he would have potentially been able to sign for in a, in a, in a year. That's a follow question I have, but we'll, I'll ask it in a minute. The, the real failure. And again, to expect that any front office would have done this 
I don't know. Would have, would have, if, if you're looking for one failure point now, it's that they didn't trade Randall when he was in the midst of having that great season two years ago. Reset the deck, reset the deck, reshuffle the deck. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Whatever. And basically, that, you know, establish yourself as like, no, we're, we know how we need to build this. And we're going to use every asset at our disposal. And the fact that this guy is going out there and having this kind of year. Now, that takes away the We Here season. That takes away the Big 15. That t- takes away all our wonderful memories. And that sucks. It was the right thing to do in retrospect. That ship has sailed. To say that it's a failure that they didn't trade Randall this offseason, I think is unfair because that's implying that they're, they had a good deal that they didn't take. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, I, I've said it, I, I don't know when I said it, I said it at some point that. Zach Lowe on this podcast. Do I have any coffee left? I'm going to sip coffee. Said Julius Randle, eminently gettable. Eminently gettable. That's what he said on his, I think his pod before last. So that is a signal that teams around the league are very aware that they could have Julius Randle if they want to, but the Knicks are not giving him away. Or I should phrase it differently. The Knicks want it to be a fair deal. You know, last season's struggles baked in, obviously, but they are not selling him for eight cents on the dollar. They'll try, you know, I don't know how many cents on the dollar they're going to sell him for, but they, they, you know, it, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a trade that they're going to feel good about as opposed to, we just got to get out from under this guy because again, and as much as I dislike him, that would not be responsible team building. Mm-mm. So that's why I'm interested to see what happens when the dust settles. And you know what? If Julius Randle's on the team opening night, am I going to love it? Of course not. I'm not going to love it. But I think all it means is the right deal never came along. Now, if you're the Knicks and you're looking at this and you're saying, well, why do we think the right deal is going to come along at a later point in time? I think Jalen Brunson will help. Uh, I think Jalen Brunson will help make Julius Randle look better. I think an improved RJ Barrett will help uh, Julius Randle look better. I think whatever the hell was going on above Julius Randle's neck last year, I, who knows? Hopefully that gets sorted out and Julius Randle looks better. He can't look worse. I, mm-hmm. I, I you literally can't look worse. Can't shoot worse. Can't look worse. Can't be, he can't play, you know, with more, with a more dejected spirit. So, and based on what I understand about what they're thinking, he's going to be, it, it, he'll be moved. It's just a matter of when they could get that deal. And I don't think it's crazy to look around the league and say at some point some team will talk themselves into him, especially, and this goes back to the thing that you raised before with all these picks going on, all these trades teams. And again, obviously you, you want to save it for the right player, but teams are putting picks into deals. And I think there will be a team and that's what the next one, you know, that's mm. what the next one they want, yeah. they want something to add to the coffers. And right now, Randall's not an asset to add to the coffers. He's, if anything, a net neutral asset in any deal. Um, which I mean, look, there's and, been and there's been speculation, but, but like there's there's been speculation. I think even you've speculated that to get Randall out right now, it would cost the Knicks I, pick rather than it would add any any um, pick to their their collection right now. I think you need a perfect situation to trade Randall at the very least before the season. And I think here's what you need. I think you need a team. And, and we've said versions of this before, but just to kind of really put it in, in, in focus, you need a team that's a little bit desperate to not to win a championship. Cause I don't think, I don't think a championship contender absent really strange or unique circumstances. I don't think a contender is trading for Randall. You need a team that's desperate to get in the playoffs, maybe try to win a round. Um, so that's number one. You, you have, and then you're going to have a team that has bad salary, but not so bad that the Knicks are going to look at it as just like unpalatable in terms of their larger goals as an organization. And I think there is a team out there and like, look, I feel bad even talking about this because it relates to what Miles Bridges did, which is mm-hmm. fucking reprehensible. And um, I would very much like for 
uh, justice to uh, come for him uh, again. As uh, just that's an issue I'm I'm very passionate about. That said, the Hornets are historically in the NBA perhaps the team that is like, hey, let's get in the playoffs, let's maybe win a round. Like that's the team that has been their mo for a long time. Has not changed under Michael Jordan. That situation now is out there. They are, by all indications, it seems like they are just like Miles Bridges is not going to be a part of their team. So, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't think Miles Bridges is going to play basketball ever again. That I is, hope not. I hope that not. is the take I but, uh, listen, I'm going out on. Yeah. I we we could say this, and then we can refer I, back to things in the past where it's like, hey, look at that guy did X Y Z and played. I think sport you know, again. In a post, in a po- mm, I, I hesitate to say post Me Too world because we're not like it's a present Me Too world. But um, I look at Trevor Bauer. I look at um, there's no person that there's not even an NBA GM or NBA PR team that could read the police report and his fiance, wife's whatever she was to him, um, her Instagram post as well as see the photos and then be and like see the video of his child talking to I don't know if it was grandma or aunt but basically yes. telling the sequence of events of what happened yeah. um I I just once you have that you know this is something that Oz and Yash have talked about once you actually have an audible or a visual representation of an incident and you're not just reading it it crystallizes things for people and on issues in an NBA that is seemingly progressive. I doubt that I doubt that they'd be able to spin any type of comeback story or any type of rehabilitation for, for miles bridges, as far as on the court is concerned. Um, I I hope so. That that rehabilitation needs to be behind bars in my personal opinion, but we'll, we'll leave that to this justice system, you know, which is a frightening thought in its own right. Yeah. Anyway, so he's not going to be around. They have this fun young team, which he was, and they also have, uh, I don't know how old Gordon Award is, 31, 32 years old, whatever mm-hmm. he is, who is very expensive, does not really fit with their timeline. And if ever there was a team and like, look, they've done two deals with the Knicks in the past year and two weeks, whatever it's been, uh, it, they are clearly comfortable trading now. I would I would imagine that the deal would be and again here's the other bonus here's your Cam Reddish team mm-hmm. it's Randall and it's Reddish for Hayward and if you're listening to this and you want to vomit that's fine because it all comes it, this is not about getting rid of Julius Randall it's not about getting rid of Cam Reddish it's not about getting Gordon Hayward it's about what is Charlotte going to give you. The picks you get back in the deal. And can yeah. you can you get and and again, I don't what is the best thing? Like the Knicks ain't doing this for the the Denver pick that they traded to Charlotte from OKC on draft night. That that's not getting this done. This is going to be this would have to be a future first with very light protections. Maybe that rolls over once if it doesn't convert the first year. Does does Charlotte have the appetite for for trading a pick of that nature? If they do, do they have an appetite for trading for Julius Randle and Cam Reddish? Again, this has a lot to do with their priorities. Um, but that's the type of deal where I could see a team being desperate enough and the Knicks getting what they want on a few different fronts. And credit to Jeremy, he's he's been brought up, he's the first one that brought up uh, Hayward as possibility last season. This was his first cap or no cap. This the this Gordon Hayward trade that the Knicks could possibly do. And it makes me you know, even more sense now. It makes even mm-hmm. more sense now that that you have and and by the way, by the way, who's the new who everything old is new again? The <laughs> the new head coach of the Charlotte Hornets. Um oh my god, I'm forgetting his name. Big, Steve Clifford. Steve Clifford, thank you. Big big ball guy. Um good, good, good friends with Tom Thibodeau. And so might this come down to Cliff being like, hey, Tom. What what's really going on with this guy, and what does Tom say? Who the I don't know. Who the hell knows what he's going to say? So two things: one, Julius is somebody who lived in Virginia and particularly loved to go down to Charlotte to um, take take in the sights and like 
go check out the movie theater they have there. You'll love it. You'll be able to clear your head. You go 10 miles, 10 minutes outside of Charlotte and there's nothing but open land and mountains. It's like, it's basically like just New York, but the, the middle of New York, there's not the extension or the attention onto the team. They're a NASCAR city anyway. And like the, the Hornets <laughs> are much further down the pecking order. Also, they're a college basketball town. So you'll be able to, you know, steer clear of any negative media attention whatsoever. You could skip a press conference and nobody would. Nobody, notice. nobody gives a shit. Yeah. <laughs> you would like, unless you did it like at a Tar Heel game and you know what, because you're on the Hornets, you'll get not front row seats because they don't care about the Hornets that much, but you'll get primary discounts off of Tar Heel and Duke and Wake Forest and NC State games. You'll you love go. it, my man. Um, the other question, I was just curious you know, your thoughts on what Randall's market would have been as a free agent if he had not signed his extension. Oh, my goodness. Woo, that's a doozy you're dropping on me at the end of a podcast. So um, like, what would his mean, mar- so, so let me let's set the stage. Yeah, he's, he's coming off of this exact last season, this exact that last season that he had. Now, there's so many other butterfly effect dominoes that would have had to fall. In other words, the Knicks didn't trade him last year, didn't buy him out after the, the turmoil. They would have. Oh, my God. Can you imagine if they bought him out? Well, so if they it's a canter thing, if they couldn't find a deal for him at the deadline and it's like, well, we want to pivot to a younger player like Mitch or in this case, Obi to get the primary minutes. Julius, go find a team. Um, what would his market have been, basically? Because I'm looking, and it kind of hints to the Mitch Robinson question I was going to ask earlier. Mitch getting four for 60, and, and you called it an over a bit of an overpay. Jeremy called it a bit of an overpay. And there are pockets that are like, listen, Rudy Gobert just cost five first-round picks. Did you have Nurkic just got 70 million? You know, if Mitch is... If a healthy Mitch is... I don't know how much better than a healthy Nerlens Noel, then why isn't he worth, you know, $60 million over a four year deal? If the contract like has a team option is descending, whatever um, Julius's market, would he been able to get 90 million this off season, 85 million this off season, or based off of two years ago, would he still have cracked like four years, a hundred one Oh six, whatever the deal was one seventeen was the extension. I think it was. Here's the here's the problem. Who's the team? Who's the team paying him? There's no team with cap space. Yeah. Who's the team that's going to give him the money? Mm -hmm. Um, I so the the Blazers operated as an over the cap team this summer. Um, The I, I I I had there's an answer that popped into my head, but before I say it out loud. I want to because here's the other part of this. Like, if the Knicks had him, then you're ta- you're bringing in the possibility of a signing trade because he definitely would not be signing for so much more than his previous salary. That base year compensation would come into play. So I think it would be a pretty easy sign and trade to execute. You would just mm-hmm. need to find a willing a willing partner. Um, man. I'm literally just looking at the teams that are, that are in the the national basketball association, as it were. Oh my God. This can't be the right answer. I stumped him. Okay. No, I have an answer. I just, well, I just like if you, it's one answer. So there's no like market for Julius Randall. There's a suitor. My gut reaction is he goes somewhere on the full mid level as a make a make good deal. Mm. That's my answer. That's how bad he was this past season. Because there, what are the other possibilities? The other possibilities are he goes somewhere um, to one of the six teams that had cap space. Show me, show me the cap space team that wants Julius Randle. You want to tell me? You want to tell me the Pistons? Okay, well then, in that scenario, the Pistons aren't making all those trades with Knicks. What's more valuable to the to the Pistons? They get whatever they got from the Knicks in terms of, like they're they are very clearly building it slow and steady wins the race. Um, so I don't think they're 
a Randall team. I'm looking at the other, I'm thinking of the other cap space teams like Indiana. We think Indiana wants Julius Randall. What are they? Okay, fine. Let's say Indiana. What could they have? By the way, they still have a bunch of cap space because they, they may be an Aiton team. You want to tell me they strike out on Aiton and they give Randall two for 40? So similar to the contract he got Basically, with the Knicks initially. Yeah. But here's the thing when he signed with the Knicks, for three for four, for three for 60 or three for 63 with, with a team option, by the way, team option on the last year. Um, and a guy knows a slightly lower cap then. He was coming off a much better year than he's coming off this past year. Now, we also did not have the MVP season in our rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. So that factors in. Um, man, I, you, you really did. Great question. So four for one seventeen is what was the official extension, by the way? Four for one oh six. Four for one oh six. So just above Jalen Brunson. Um, yeah. So four for one oh six wasn't happening this offseason. I I really do. Th- I think he goes to a situation one year, ten million dollars. I'm gonna make good. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna make good, and I'm gonna get paid next summer or maybe again a team like the Pacers I'm, I'm trying to think of another team besides the Pacers who had cap space mm-hmm. that would have looked at it and be like eh, it's okay I mean San, San Antonio is trying to get they're trying to lose as many games to lose as many, yeah although maybe they they look at Julius Randle as a like we can turn him into the good stats bad team player and then trade him for more assets as we're we're tanking this year. You know, maybe we're 10 games over at the deadline and then we trade him to a team that's looking to get better. Regardless, my well, thought was my well, my the go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Let, let me just close. The only thing I feel like, and I would really need to like scour the league to really be able to answer, and I'm going to do this now, but like, is there a signing trade that I'm not seeing mm-hmm. where the Knicks would sign him for a bigger contract and some team would want him and then send back salary but that gets us back to the exact same conversation we were having 10 minutes ago about well why haven't we had a julius randall trade yet and the, the difference between those two things is in a sign and trade theoretically the knicks would not ask for as much back but they would ask for something back mm-hmm. and like how much is the difference between what the knicks would ask back for julius randall now on this contract versus what the knicks would ask back for a sign and tra- like i don't really see that big yeah i don't yeah, anyway, sorry. Just- the point of the question was more to be a little um, not defensive of the front office, but like you said, Julius Randall is gettable according to Take Your Drink, Zach Lowe. Eminently. Um, eminently gettable. Um, and look, like you've heard it, Chris has heard it, any of the people with, with knowledge of the situation has heard it, that like they know his value. Like Fred, Fred Katz said it on here, that they have done their homework to find out what Julius Randle's value is. And it's not at a place where, oh, uh, oh TJ. Whoa. Read what we just got from Shams. I mean, this is, I don't know if this is a, whoa, uh, free agent guard. TJ Warren has agreed to a one-year deal with the Brooklyn Nets. So it's just tell any, any roster spot being taken by the Brooklyn Nets right now is fascinating to me. Cause it, tells me one of two things. Either they're going to stare at both of these dudes in the face and say, you're under contract. We're not trading you. Look at the depth we're building with Royce O'Neal and Patty Mills coming back and now TJ Warren. Or we're now making sure our team isn't dog shit because we can't tank because the Rockets can swap with us this year. And as a result, um, as a result, this is this is a, a kind of insurance towards that. Anyway, that is a conversation for the Patreon pod. Well, uh, hold on. I just want to look and see. Oh, interesting. Okay. So they, as of now, mm-hmm. unless they, unless they get below the tax, which who the hell knows how this is all going to end up in terms of the deal. We're not disclosed as of now, all they have is the taxpayer mid-level. So the taxpayer mid-level is $6.5 million, um, which, you know, probably it's about right for a guy who hasn't played basketball uh, in two years, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um he was the last, I mean, he was the, I would say other than Aiton, who's obviously restricted, he was the last name guy on the market. I don't know. Does this affect, to me, this is more evidence that the Nets are, are really like when they say we want a young all-star, which is what has been reported, what they want for Kevin Durant. 
I think they mean it. I think they mean it. Um, as opposed to just a bunch of picks. Right. Right. Um, to close the loop on the Julius question I had, it was more to just explain how difficult trading a four year 106 for Julius Randall contract is going to be. Yep. Which as much as we all don't, and my reasons for not liking it, because I do think the Knicks got better. They will be better than 37 and 45. I'm confident in. And if they aren't, then some significant changes either should be made or are going to be made because the owner doesn't want to have to deal with the agita anymore. Um, but the, like, is there a better, a best case scenario where because Kemba's now Jalen Brunson because Fournier is now in a backup role and Grimes is there. And so the perimeter defense is better that like Julius, because he does, he has a second person that can command some gravity, a better RJ buried this year that that seven game stretch in February that we saw can be closer to the, the, the mean for what Randall is next year, rather than the majority of what last season was, which was inefficient long twos and jogging back on defense. And, you know, the OB thing is more why I wanted Randall gone, but maybe, you know, they can rehabilitate his value and then revisit this conversation next deadline or, Everybody or earlier. hold hold back your well earlier or hold back your vomit later next summer, you know. There are so many easy ways that Julius Randle can be better next year. One, uh trying. It's a good sorry, didn't mean to make you spit out whatever you're drinking. Uh, you got me. I was I was drinking it, then John made it funny. There you go. Uh trying. Um He's been, wasn't just in the MVP candidacy season um, the year before that. And even maybe the year before that, not terrible. He's been good from the corners before. Uh, He didn't take any corner threes last year. He took 51 corner threes in 72 games. With Mm -hmm. Jalen Brunson running the show, there should be a minimum, if assuming Randall's going to play a commensurate number of minutes, minimum uh, three corner three attempts a game for Julius Randle. Like if you can hit that shot at a 36, 37% clip, like that's fine. Um, that, that will help uh, roll more. Just, just roll, go to the basket more, go to the basket mm-hmm. harder um, with, I mean, again, playing off of a guy like Brunson in the pick and roll that defenses have to respect in a different way. That should help Julius Randle. Like all of the, and, and just like regression to the meat, like he's going to shoot better. All of these things if he does them over a month, all of a sudden Julius Randle is going to look just fine on his, on his current contract. And then it's a matter of, okay, well, where do you send? And, and the, and the other part of it, I think teams do, if I, I does not based on any inside information, but if I had to guess, I'm sure teams want to see that he's not cuckoo bananas. Yeah. Anymore. That this is you know? fixable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, I agree. That, that he's not a loss. So then who would the teams be? I think, I think Portland remains a team to look for. They, cause they still have the Eric Bledsoe contract. Um, that is, a, that is the best in terms of just like for salary purposes, trade piece for like a larger salary in the league. Um, they're out there. I would say, well, the Mavs ship is going to sail if they don't include Julius in a, in a sign and trade. And again, that would be financially difficult because it would require um, another big piece going out. So I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I don't know. Portland's the one I have my eye on. Charlotte, we talked about. Maybe Washington kicks the tires at some point, although I, I, at this point I don't see it. But the, even, even if he goes out and plays better, it's not, it's not going to be it's not going to be a laundry list of teams. Uh, you know, at the same time, all you need is one. We shall see. I love how we came on here with the intention of a quick shoot the shit podcast and we're about to cross the hour mark. There you go. There you go. Uh, this is what we're good at. Andrew. Yes. Shoot uh, the shit. Look at us. Uh, anything I forgot before we get out of here? No. Um, get well soon to Macri's not named Jonathan and uh, you know uh, a pod coming later this week and then Jeremy back on Monday morning and some oh some summer league post games coming soon. Uh, <laughs> Friday night, the Knicks t- uh, tip off 
their summer league schedule against Golden State. They play again on Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m., which will have a post game followed by a uh, that's, I guess, when we're recording. Jeremy will will text later. Hope you're enjoying your vacation, bud. Um, and yeah, uh, stay tuned for uh, some some summer league content coming from KFS in the not too distant future. I love it. And uh, it's a good time to get off because I've been sitting on this chair. Oh, time, no. <laughs> and I cannot feel my ass anymore. Okay. So uh, on that note, thank you, everybody, for spending another... <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> Another one of your hours with us. Uh, we hope you enjoyed, and we will uh, talk to you soon. Peace out. Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.